hello everyone. This is Jessica. And this is Caitlin. And this is the Calling All Spirits podcast. So glad to be back with part two. Yeah. So has anything new and interesting happened since our last episode for you? No. I, I made a cocktail. <laughs> I did hey, there you go. <laughs> and so that it is... Um, cocktail hour so why not on this lovely weekend <laughs> why not because i'm drinking wine <laughs> <laughs> there you go we have moved into the evening hours where it is appropriate we started with tea and now we've moved to something i don't know what stronger. rules you're following i'm on covid time alcohol <laughs> is for every time as long as i'm not actually working because that would be bad uh no Plus, my work hours are for seven to four. Like, that means cocktail hour starts at four. Oh, see, I'm a little later. I'm a little later, but you're true. And, it, <laughs> and it's a beautiful Sunday, so there are no rules. Exactly. It's, it's, but no, it's that's crazy. all that's happened to me. What about you? So, um, I started telling you about it before, and you realize this might be fun to share with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my spousal figure is out of town again this weekend. And the last mm-hmm. time he left... Um, I had a little situation that I was just sharing with you in passing. Um, so it was, I don't even know what time in the middle of the night it was, but he'd been gone for two nights already because when he leaves for Houston, he's usually gone Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and I think it was like Saturday night, but I like woke up in the middle of the night and his sleep hours are way different than mine. Like my day, like I said, I start at seven in the morning, which means I have to be up by five so I can be out the door by six um wow. and he's the opposite because that lucky son of a bitch gets to work from home <laughs> and so his day also starts at seven but his commute is 15 feet right um, and so, so nice exactly and he's had insomnia his entire life so I'm used to like going to bed and he'll still be up either watching tv or playing video games on his computer in the office and so having the lights on at two, three o'clock in the morning, if I get up to go to the bathroom, I'm used to it. Right. And what happened was I kind of rolled over, woke up a little bit and got up to go to the bathroom and I heard voices and I saw the lights on and I was just like in my sleep brain. I was like, damn it, he needs to go to sleep. It's late. Oh. Woke up the next morning, realized he was not home. Whoa. <laughs> and all of the lights were off again. I'm just like, the lights were on. Like, the wow. lights in the office and the lights in the kitchen. I know that that light setup. But, like, it sounded at the time like he was talking to his friends online, because they all have insomnia. And, right. And, and, and lights were on, and the dog wasn't barking, the cats were fine, and I just went back to sleep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. So, what would you have done if you, like, realized in the moment, like wait, he's not home. Would you have been freaked out or would you have been okay? I don't know. Because it felt wow. so calm in the house, it yeah. probably would have just been disconcerting more than panic-inducing. Right. Because right. I tend to pick up on the vibes of whatever's going on. Like, yeah. if somebody else is freaked out, I'll pay way more attention than if someone else is calm. Like, when you have a friend telling a story and you can tell if it's going to be a funny story or a tragic story... Usually, unless it's me telling the story, sometimes you can't tell. But normally, <laughs> you can tell that it's right. going to be one of those where, like, there was there or there's going to be a funny ending or something. You can mm-hmm. read the tone, you can read the room, you can read what's going on. And so, if if the dog was bugging or the cats were freaked out or something, then I probably 
honestly, I probably wouldn't have rolled back over and gone back to sleep. I probably yeah. would have uh, gone yeah. to investigate because, like, wow. why are the animals freaking out? And then where's Joey? And then, oh, yeah, Joey's not home. Now oh I'm going to panic. Gosh. Um, Whoa. But no, that was uh, that was very, very interesting. And that he's gone is. again this weekend. I'm like, I really, really don't need that to happen again. <laughs> no. Unless I can go right back to sleep. If it's going to happen exactly the same, right. I'm on board. Right. So do you have a ghost? Like, do you know if someone or is in your house? Like, do you have a resident spirit? Um, According to my mom, yes. Oh. Um, so I generally... Just kind of accept that there are spirits around me all the mm-hmm. time, just because mm-hmm. it's easier that way. And I don't necessarily get the backstories or the names or the details. Right. Um, but when we went to visit my cousin last year, um, she stayed with the animals. And oh. her first question to me, like, she dropped off at the airport and then promptly sent me a message when she got back to the house. She was like, so do I need to, like, do an offering or a conversation with the guy here at the front <laughs> or anything? I'm what? like, no. Nah. He's pretty chill. Um, wow. I, I think I know the energy she talks about, but I didn't right. really pick up on he versus she. I didn't really, other than a really tall, shadowy kind of image I get in my head. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't really come through to me, and they don't really bother me. So well, hey, there you go. It's it's fine. Oh, my goodness. But no, I don't think I've ever lived anywhere that wasn't at least a little bit haunted. <laughs> Yeah, we've had some things happen a little bit, but I kind of always just say it's family. I'm not really that sure, but in my head, it's it, that's just family. It's just our family. Depending <laughs> on the family coming through, that may be a bigger problem for people. <laughs> Thankfully for us, it's not bad. Like, I can deal with that. But no, that's um, good. yeah, yeah. Well, very, very cool. Well, are we... Oh, gosh, I could keep talking about that. But I know people have been waiting. We've been saying we're going to get to the second half. So, yes. Um, Although this one is slightly more on topic than my last story. I wanted to share one more thing because this actually happened earlier. Um, I watch way too much TikTok. Let's be real. (laughs) And uh, a friend of mine that I follow on there, she has her own podcast as well. She does the historical AF podcast. She's the oh. reason we couldn't use that name when we were talking. Because um, Jess suggested that name. And I was like, I can't. Somebody I know already has it. And it's such a good podcast. No. Um, but she was duetting a different video. And the theory that was postulated was, what if ghosts are spirits who had ADHD when they were alive? And they're waiting until they have the executive function on the other side before they can finish their unfinished business. Oh, <gasps> that's really fascinating. Like, yay, that sounds brilliant, but also please don't let that be true. I know. Because I don't know if they have spiritual Adderall. And my unfinished business would not be fun. It's like finally organizing like closets. And that, no, I don't, I don't want to come back for that. No. I I mean, I'd love to come back and be with my loved ones. What are you doing? All that. But I don't want to have to do that well you know it may not just be organizing it might be one of those where you had your list of things to do that were important things like reconnecting with a loved one or making sure your son knows that you love him because of a thing you wanted to make sure you left behind but keep forgetting to do it because executive dysfunction's a bitch it's like at first i was like no and then the more i think about it i'm like that kind of tracks i could see some of that (laughs) 
Also kind of explains why some people haunt us and others don't. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Are you looking to body double? Is that why you're here? <laughs> Very interesting. But so that one was slightly more on topic. I just wanted to share that too before we got I started. I love it. But yes, we have been teasing everyone long enough. All right. So we gabbed a little bit at the beginning. So I think it's time we get back into the story. As Jessica pointed out at the end of our last chapter, the two sisters, Kate and Maggie, were traveling all over to different cities while Leah stayed back in New York. And by all over different cities, I mean like they were in Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, St. Louis, Washington, D.C., and Philadelphia. So they were all up and around the Northeast. And Philadelphia is actually where their stories diverge a little bit. Kate and Maggie start living very different lives because of one intrepid explorer, Elijah Kent Kane. Mm. He, uh, he came, yeah, that sound right there, I agree <laughs> with wholeheartedly. So he came to one of the seances as a bit of a skeptic. He was actually trying to figure out how the girls were faking it. He couldn't figure it out. <laughs> but he decided that he must have Miss Maggie as his bride, which is really irritating because the way he phrases it is that he basically claims to have fallen for her charms even though he thought she was a fraud and he wow. even admitted that he didn't know how she was a fraud because he couldn't figure out how the sounds were made and what he said was after a whole month's trial because irritating them constantly for a month by the way oh my god after a month's trial i could make nothing of them he confessed therefore they are a great mystery the wow. mystery is why why I have to deal with your inter-expletive here. Um, <laughs> so it'll become abundantly clear to everyone listening that I cannot stand this man. No. <laughs> you, you've never heard me rant about him at all. Never. Never. What do this you mean? All, this is all news to everybody. Everyone else thought he was a stand-up guy. They kind of did. <laughs> they did. That's the worst part. Like... Yes, we know the time period was different and older guys and younger women were a thing. Maggie is, what, 15 years old, 16 years old at this time? He's yeah. He's 13 years older than her, so he's pushing 30 and she's a mid-teenager. Yeah. And not only is he, not only is he, like, focused in on her and basically love bombing her, but he's also like, by the way, your entire life is a fraud and you should give up your entire way of life and do what I tell you. That's the part that... That's the part that gets me. That, oh, like, I don't think any man should say that. No matter what you love, like, you have to give that all up. Like, I love you, but give up everything you love. Yes, I love you just as you are, but change. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yes. And, like, what, why, uh, it reminds me of, like, those really rich guys that will, like, from society's point of view, he, he meets a woman of a lower class and brings her in and she doesn't fit in with us. Why would you do such a thing? But man, you are a good person taking her to school and everything else. Like, also, what motivates a guy to do this? Like, male yeah. or female, honestly. So, because I've seen situations, because we know that sugar mamas exist just like sugar daddies do. Like, yes. the degree that some of them go, not all of them. But the degree of you have to fit this mold I've created for you, like they literally need that money power based dichotomy in place for them to be happy in a relationship. Like, yeah. why? His parents couldn't stand her. Oh, my God. No one was for this relationship. Literally, they were the only two. 
And I love that, honestly, my favorite description of all of these is people point out it was like Romeo and Juliet with both families tearing them apart. Y'all know both Romeo and Juliet die at the end of the play, right? <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't have a happy ending. Star-crossed lovers does not have a history of ending well, my darlings. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I feel bad because I feel like she really... I'm not, I'm not going to say he didn't love her, and I think she really loved him... But uh. I think that he was a, I don't want to say full blown narcissist necessarily, because that's mm-hmm. thrown a lot, a little, uh, thrown around a lot, a little too cavalierly. Uh huh. But I do think that, so because he had scarlet fever as a kid, he was really sickly. He was yeah. prone to bouts of fever. He was bedridden for days. And that's actually why he was a literal explorer. His father encouraged him at a young age to be like, so you might die young. You might as well go out and live life as much as you can. Which admittedly is easier when you have family money. I was about to say, I mean, it's a great <laughs> message. Like, get out there, explore. But you're right. Yeah, he had the family money to do it. So mm-hmm. like, he was Arctic ex- expeditions trying to find a Northwest Passage. Like he was everywhere trying to find new things. But the flip side of that is I don't necessarily think he had the psychology of like actually being diagnosable as a narcissist. Mm-hmm. But because the world revolved around him when he was sick and because he was able to bend so much of the world to his will through being the ill child, mm-hmm. I think he learned narcissistic tendencies. And he would manipulate the heck out of Maggie. It was awful. Yeah. Like one of them was, and this is something that required, probably requires a little bit of jumping for most people. But the one that got me was he gave her a copy of the book Undyne. At the time, it was a popular story. It had a water nymph and a wandering knight who loved her, which is a story we're all used to. Yeah. But what gets me is that she gained a soul after they were married, which means that she was subhuman before the blessing of his love made her good enough in God's eyes to be granted an immortal soul. Down to the guy to save the day. Like, really? That's the story you give her? Really? Wow. Sorry, the audience can't see. I'm like shaking my head like, wow. Yeah. And that's what you chose. Okay. That's the gift you give her. And like I said, his family hated her. They, Uh, like, wanted them to break it off. And here's the part that kills me. He told her this, she agreed, and he got mad when she complied. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. This His family was telling him to break things off, and you are moving too fast. Just be friends, maybe? Kind of like some parents tell you now. Right, And so he told her, they both agreed to it, and then he up and writes her with a note saying, all the warmth and affection seems to be on my side. (gasps) No, duh, you jerk. You asked her to. Oh, my gosh. That almost feels a little bit like gaslighting. Like, we should do this. And then she's like, okay. Wow. He expected her to feel so much love for him, she couldn't help herself and would still just ooey-gooey all over him emotionally. Like, are you asking for a groupie that you don't have to respect? Or do you want an actual relationship, dude? Because you can't have it both ways. Gosh. I mean, that'd be a tough relationship nowadays. But even thinking back then when women... We're kind of like children, like you don't speak, you're not expect like that. You can see where it would have even been a little easier to pull that back then. Oh, yeah. Really. Especially since like you see even now, if you have money, you get to make all the rules. And she yeah. was a farming community kind of young yeah. woman. 
and he was the son of wealthy people, so he yeah. got to do all the ish he wanted to. Wow. Honestly, childlike is a really good way of putting it because what he liked about her, like he wrote it down and it was the phrasing that it gets me. So what drew her to him or drew him to her? Yeah, what drew him to her? Mm -hmm. Um I'll tell you, it's not beauty, for they are as beautiful as you. It's not kind words or demonstrations, for they go further than you. Apparently, other women are going further with him. But it is in that strange mixture of woman and child, of simplicity and cunning, of passionate impulse and extreme self-control that has made you a curious study, Maggie. You are very pretty, very childlike, very deceitful, but to me as readable as my grandmother's Bible. What? Wait. Yeah. Wait. Let's unpack that because there are there are people that are prettier than you, just yeah, like FYI, more talented. And he throws in you. If, and then I was like, okay, that was a little rough start. Okay, it's sounding a little better. Okay, and then he goes deceitful. But he can read through her lies because she's like his grandmother's Bible to him. And that was the love note. That was love note. Wow. Like, the one that gets me, too, is it's not the kind words or demonstrations for they, as in other women, uh -huh. go further than you. What are other women doing that is going further to demonstrate how much they love him? Yeah. No. 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 And the mix of childlike and woman makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah. like we talked about in the last episode, they were very, very young. They she were. was either 11 or 13 when this all started. So if you compare her to a child star who hates... The Disney Channel at 13 years old yeah. and rockets to stardom, you're removed from regular society and treated very differently. Yeah. And so you have to figure out how to work the adults around you, which is a little bit deceitful, but you're trying to get your needs met. But it's right. also a little bit childlike and you're also expected to be more mature than other kids. And so it's a weird mix of child and adult, which that part makes sense to me. Right. Yes fact that you're you're cunning and you can lie to everyone but me because i'm superior in every way and i can see through you well and it's also saying which i know you've already stated he clearly didn't believe in her abilities exactly and, and he like, didn't you support even, her didn't support her at all he would actually get in the way of her making really big connections the president of the united states franklin pierce lost two children and while his wife was in mourning he requested a seance you want to know what Kane said? Let me guess. I don't think it was yes. Go for it. Uh, it was a very long, wordy, manipulative way of saying no. He said, don't rap for Mrs. Pierce. Remember, you promised me. A promise my heart has just told me has been broken twice within these 48 hours. Apparently, he knew she's already done two seances in the last 48 hours. Wow. If he knows that, I'm guessing it's his gossip birds and has nothing to do with his heart. Mm-hmm. How much oftener? I don't know. Like, you've lied to me twice already. I don't even know how much more you lie to me. Oh, he, he And be knew. careful. Be, my, be very careful. Less than idle hour, you lose my regard and your own respect. Like, don't do this. Or you're going to lose your own respect. Okay. He knew who she was when he married her. He knew. Well, they're not married yet. But, like, it, oh, he, well, he knows who he's trying to court. Yes. yes. Yeah, and Exactly. And he ends the note with the most blatant emotional manipulation. Like, you know how I said he was sick and he learned how to work the people around him? Mm -hmm. Receive this note kindly and write me an answer for although my hands let me write, I'm very, very sick. <laughs> 
course, when she came to visit him the next day, he brightened immediately. Of course. He was fine. He recovered. Yep. And I mean, to be clear, like, we... I don't want to take anything away from people who have long-term illnesses or no. chronic illnesses. Like, no. if this was a one-off thing where all he did was feel really lousy the day before and bright immediately when he saw somebody he loved, if that was the only flag, it'd be, right. like, yellow at most. It would not be a red flag. No. It was no, not at all. Exactly. Like, it was because of everything else that I'm just adding this to the list. So yes. If, yes. if you have an illness or anyone you know, that's that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he's a jerk in every other way and i'm adding this to the reasons why i hate him yeah (laughs) (laughs) he also didn't even do this single-handedly he recruited others to help in this brainwashing of maggie there was a woman named Susanna who he had become maggie's mentor she was employed by kane to guide maggie in her studies when he was away adventuring in the world she promised him that she would behave like a mother to her and to cultivate understanding and to awaken latent energies which lay dormant through neglect which sounds more like you're training her to be a medium than to not, but I'm guessing maybe it's the piano forte. I don't know. Well, I would. I had the same thought. Like, wait, what is she training? I had. Okay, yes, I'm very confused. Yeah, what by the that. what the latent energies that lay dormant through neglect? Like, is it because she's not being productive with her time, and you want her to needlepoint more? Maybe. <laughs> very strange. I mean, whatever it was they were working on outside of like Latin and how to be a proper society wife. Maggie would write to her friends while she was under Susanna's care, saying that she was very distressed and far oh. from well. Like, wow. she was not happy in the situation, but she stayed because mm-hmm. she loved Elijah. Yeah. And he did, uh, he, when he, he would adventure and he would come home and he would adventure and he'd come home. At one point, he made it home and shortly before he, they say untimely death. I have other opinions. Um, I think it was a little late in the game, but... Um, <laughs> For the sake of his family, I'm glad that he was still around and they could, you know, still love him. But right before he died, though, they did get married. By married, we mean what they described at the time as a Quaker ceremony, which was basically in a room with a few witnesses proclaiming that you are now married for all the world to know. Technically, this is legal even today. Still colloquially called a Quaker ceremony. Mm. It does take paperwork, though. It's kind of like getting your wedding license for an officiant, but it's a different kind of wedding license. So it's kind of like a mix of that and common law marriage, where you just kind of act married, and then eventually the law decides, yeah, no, you're married, and all this stuff is (laughs) 50-50. I mean, that's how it works in Texas. Right, yeah. No, absolutely. Now, the kicker here is that the way those normally go is you then live as a married couple afterwards. Mm-hmm. You don't have one party saying that they're married and the other party saying that they're crazy. Ugh. Like, he didn't use those words, but he didn't... Like, he, he set things up for her to get money if he died in his will. Okay. His family didn't let them live together. Like, there was nothing about them being basically a really, truly married couple after that. And so... Like when he died, her fam- or his family immediately stopped all payments, didn't want to take care of her, didn't uh. want her to have anything. And there was a super long drawn out battle legally for like years. I mean, uh. I have more details about that later, but like he did. Uh, you could argue that he just died too quickly for it to become a thing. I think he's a jerk and was careless about everything from her feelings to the way she was taken care of after he died. Oh, that's so sad because it sounds like she really, deep down, I mean, even though it sounds like she loved him. 
And it was it, probably her first love. Oh, absolutely. Being that young. And that's really hard to get over. So yeah, to honor his marriage, uh, his marriage, to honor his memory after he passed, she converted to Catholicism because even though he was a Presbyterian, he thought that that would be a more functional conversion for her. Oh, the wow. fact that spiritualists are Christian anyway at this time doesn't register in his brain. He's like, well, the Catholics like the saints and they talk to voices that aren't there, but it's more godly. So you should be Catholic because that'll be a good I guess transition religion for you, like that, bruh. The, the the these people are Christian anyway. You completely miss an entire segment of the belief structure. Absolutely. <laughs> but oh, like Lord. the sense of mystery, I guess you thought would entice her away from spiritualism, and I I don't know. Given how many Protestants I know think Catholics are evil, this is still a weird move to me. It, well, it <laughs> is, and not that we agree with that, FYI. But just the but the thinking of the day, yeah, that is kind of an odd jump. I mean, even Epis- I mean, I could see her going more Episcopalian, maybe. But yeah, that's yeah, or just being a spiritualist, which was <gasps> you mean on- doing your own thing anyway? What exactly? Exactly that. But wow, okay, yeah, no, and it and she did not handle his death at all well. Like, speaking of iconography, she created an altar to him in their relationship that she would just sit in front of for hours on end. His family, of course, thought this was a ruse. They're like, you're just pretending you just want all of his money. She's like, no, I'm I'm brokenhearted and your son killed my career. So, like, can I have my inheritance, please? And there was actually a friend of the family who wrote to Elijah's mother and honestly sums up how I feel about him so beautifully. So it'll be a little bit of a long quote. So just bear with me. Okay. I have read the letters, madam, and solemnly assure you that their publication, because Maggie was trying to publish his letters to be like prove to the world. No, he loved me and we were a thing. Oh, okay. Um, That the publication will bring a cloud of reproach on the memory of your illustrious son, not that his love was not pure to the end, but because Dr. Kane was capable of seeking out, pursuing, and betrothing himself to a young girl, then of meanly deserting her afterwards, throwing himself on her generosity, of denying it in public while in private writing to her that he would not give her up, of marrying her secretly and wringing from her a solemn pledge to keep that marriage a secret from all but the witnesses till his return, of requiring her to give up all of her means of support and then to save the family pride, offering a pittance to her in such a way that she could not be wronged out of it. Wow. I mean, not for a mic drop, but mic drop. Yeah. And that was somebody who knew them both writing and had connections to Elijah's family, writing to his mother saying, your son done screwed up. And you need to own up to it because if she publishes these letters, it's not going to make you look bad in the way you think it's going to. It's right. going to make your son look like a user and abuser who couldn't even live up to his end of the deal. Because yep. like they said, he went out of his own way to pursue a young girl. Again, y'all, she was 15 when this started. Wow. So what happens? Like what? Well, while Maggie's going through all of this, I mean, spiritualism still going strong. Yeah. Yeah. And Kate. Continued to develop her mediumistic powers. She would translate spirit messages in astonishing and unprecedented ways, is the way it's described. <laughs> um, and it is kind of astonishing because she would communicate two messages simultaneously, writing one while speaking the other. That's incredible. 
Like, if I'm singing along to the radio, I end up typing what I'm saying instead of what I'm supposed to be doing. Exactly. But she was able to interpret two spiritual things. And I mean, given the way automatic writing works, I can kind of see that working because you're yes. not really thinking about what's going out of your hand anyway. But she would also then transcribe messages in reverse script, apparently. So, like, very Da Vinci wow. of her writing backwards. Utilizing blank cards in which words seem to spontaneously appear. So I don't know if that's a lot like the slate writing where uh-huh. you know, you'd write it out or you wouldn't write it out. You'd close it off. And by the end, there'd be a message there. Right. However, her skills worked. Uh, the entire movement grew. And by the 1880s, there was an estimated 8 million spiritualists in the U.S. and Europe. Wow. And the newer practitioners in the 1880s, influenced by the flash of the Gilded Age, they expected miracles. So kind of like how uh, when we began with reality TV back in the 90s with the real world and the road rules where <laughs> people were still humans and what they had to do was reasonable. Well, it went from reasonable to, well, reality TV in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, some some things are not, not terrible. Other things are like... Also a throwback show hold, I am, jackass. Um, yeah. <laughs> you yes. have to go more and more extreme to pull the audience in. And exactly. the visitors who would come see the new practitioners, they expected miracles. Like Kate's ability to summon a full-fledged apparition at every seance. Wow. Which sounds exhausting. Mm-hmm. And that's where... And it's examples like that that kind of give me... So this is the Caitlin aside, because we haven't had a whole heap of them by this point already. The way I feel about some of the stuff we're going to talk about, about the way the mediums just go nuts during the jazz age and the insanity they pull off in their seances, like, obviously, some people are full out, full, full out frauds. No question. Right. But then the ones that make me question are the ones like the Fox sisters where you know, I can see them being valid, but having to keep up with society's expectations, then they start pulling some hinky stuff. Yeah, yeah, because that that's just, I mean, it's exa- it can be exhausting enough to do, like, a few readings in a day, and when you're having to do what they were having to do, like, it you can't keep up you. with that. Yeah, and so, like, between either she was or she wasn't faking part of it, mm-hmm. it exhausted Kate, and she started drinking. Like, you can see why the movement would get so much power by this time, though, because, like, it was building up in the 50s. Right before the Civil War hit. And I remember talking to you about like all of a sudden four or five years ago, people in general in society around us were not having as much issue with the spiritual world, with the pagan world, with mediumship. There was a lot more like, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. People who you knew 10 years ago would throw holy water on you, suddenly asking you for a reading. And I remember talking to you about... What's coming if it's suddenly acceptable? Because this gets popular right before bad things happen every single time. We had it happen where it got hugely popular in the U.S., then the Civil War hit. Mm -hmm. Then it kind of tapered off, got a little fancy, then World War I hit. Yes. And then it kind of keeps coming in these waves. And and then COVID hit, and I stopped wondering (laughs) what was coming. Right. But I remember having those conversations with you, and it seemed like... People, me included, I'm included in this bunch where all of a sudden like, oh, weird things are happening. We, we can tune into this. And this isn't, I almost want to call it like the best word I can think of is like an awakening that like 
almost like is oh this is real like this is actually happening and there was a bunch of us and you're right we were like what and it remember we felt something was coming but it's like we don't know what it is but like something it's like it was a build up to something big yeah and then once covid hit you and i were like is this the next basically big spiritual wave is this it and yeah yeah it is, yeah i think so too we were we we thought we were in the uh in this the build up of the gilded age but it turned out we were right before World War One. Yep. Kate, she was working and she was working all the way through after Maggie mm-hmm. lost Elisha and she couldn't get access mm-hmm. to her inheritance, which, I mean, on one hand seems a little sus. Like, yes, she's after it for the, she's after the situation for its money. But he also kind of killed her ability to support herself. So. Well, yeah, absolutely. So she broke her promise to him and she went back to spiritualism and it was absolutely financially based but she was also she was conflicted because she really mm-hmm. did buy into all of the priests that she was talking to all of the religions mm-hmm. uh, religious leaders that she was talking to about how he wanted her to convert and move away from her life of sin she ingested all of that mentally right and she actually developed calling cards when she went back to mediumship the calling card said mrs kane does not claim any spirit pl- power but people must judge for themselves Really? Like, I have to do this, but I also can't say that this is exactly what I'm doing. So, like, you know, buyer beware, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I mean, either way, between Maggie's grief and Kate's burnout, they both developed problems with alcohol. Mm. Um, And they were actually seen to be basically be bad influences on each other. Like, one of them would be doing better, and then the other would bring them back. Mm-hmm. And after their parents died... Like Kate, even Kate barely spoke to Leia, and Maggie definitely didn't speak to Leia because she hated Elisha too. And that's honestly the only thing I agree with Leia on. As they got older, they really started to feel the damage and manipulation that their older sister had, you know, caused them in order to make money. Mm-hmm. And there was a group of friends that really wanted to help Kate be strong away from Maggie, mm-hmm. even though they were the only family they had left. And so they brought Kate to London. Wow. Um, it was super rough on Maggie, but Kate was actually really great there. Mm-hmm. She met a man who, in my opinion, is the direct counter to Mr. Kane, a gentleman <laughs> by the name of Henry Jenkin. And they got along famously and got married. He was also a spiritualist. He supported her in all of <sighs> her pursuits. And the only thing that I can say against him, and I can't, I can't completely disagree with him because I have seen those pairings of people be they siblings or a married couple or just friends where when one of them's doing better the other one starts to backslide and pulls Mm -hmm. them down with you so he didn't want kate to have any association with maggie which oh my god i understood and i was there until Mm -hmm. kate got pregnant with their first kid and it absolutely broke my heart because maggie got super excited for her sister she was oh. like, I'm going to be an aunt. I'm still sad about my life, but I'm still happy for my sister. And mm-hmm. so she knitted, I want to say it was like onesies basically, but she she sewed and knitted baby clothes and she sent them to her sister. And when Kate got them, she hid them from her husband because she was worried about how he'd react. Oh, that's so sad. And I, I haven't found a lot of detail on how he re, how he would have like been in that situation. Mm-hmm. He could have been massively abusive and she was out of fear. 
But it may have also just been one of those where I know my husband doesn't like my sister and I just want to keep the peace. So I'm just going to stash the stuff. Yeah, that kind of sounds more like what it probably was. But so that that part broke my heart. But this is also the precursor to this lovely span of time that no one ever hears about. All three sisters had like this chunk of happiness (laughs) all at the same time. So Kate absolutely loves her husband. He's a decent person and they have two children. When she actually came back to the U.S. to visit, she stayed with Leah. But when her husband came afterwards and he actually met Maggie, Uh they got along fabulously. Oh, that's wonderful. And she, of course, adored the children. Like she was the definition of a doting aunt. Mm-hmm. And because Kate was staying with Leah, because like that was the sibling that her husband would have approved of when she first came over, mm-hmm. they all did actually spend a little bit of time together. Wow. And then when Kate returned back to London, Maggie went to go stay with them. And then after Kate returned to London, Maggie went to go stay with a man by the name of Henry Sabert, who was fascinated with spiritualism as a science. <laughs> and after a year of dutifully obliging his demands for religious and famous figures... She noped out and she went back to New York because he'd been in Philadelphia. And this is where you kind of start seeing Maggie shift back into the misery period. Mm. Um, We all know about how Maggie decided to up and denounce spiritualism. Yes. And there's a little bit of conflict in the historical circles that actually talk about this, about whether it was for money or for fame. What doesn't get talked about enough is... Despite that, despite the time that she spent with Leah and Kate while Kate was in the U.S., she was still really mad at Leah. And I think that's an underrated reason for why she's just up and nope, it was all fake. Our sister made us do it. She thought the joke was funny and that we could all make money. Mm -hmm. So she was paid $1,500 for the exclusive with the New York World, the publication, which money is no nothing to sneeze at when you're trying to make right. ends meet and someone's going to pay you big for a story, especially if you're already going to tell that story because you hate the person you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see how that plays out. And she actually, she did it for the sake of her sister too, because she wasn't just raging at Leah for what she did to her. She raged at Leah for having like all of the spiritualism community and Leah and everyone Worked to work them to death, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why Kate was drinking and so exhausted. And then people judged Kate for that behavior. Like, Mm -hmm. not only are y'all coming at me, you came at my sister and she did what you all asked. And so the way she phrased it was, my sister Katie and myself were very young children when this horrible deception began. At night when we went to bed, we used to tie an apple on a string and move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor. Or we would drop the apple on the floor, making a strange noise every time it would rebound. And the sisters apparently graduated from the apple dropping to manipulating their knuckles, joints, and toes to make rapping noises. She then offered a demonstration, removing her shoe, placing her right foot upon a wooden stool, and... As the room fell silent, she was rewarded with a number, or they were rewarded with a number of short little raps. Now, I don't doubt that she was able to pop her toes. But the short little raps sound like the same description of the raps and knocks that we had described to us initially. We were hearing resounding knocks all over a room when Kate had her kid. Apparently, the room was filled with knocking. Yes! The short little raps does not sound the same. Yeah. So 
I'm thinking again, combo case. They did have real wraps, but they learned how to crack their knuckles in a way that passed off as a real wrapping for when the spirits weren't coming through. I think so, too. That's my theory as well. So, I mean, regardless, Maggie took it back <laughs> a year later. Yeah. Uh, her excuse was she said that her spirit guides had beseeched her to do so. Oh. And she never reconciled with Leah after this again. That little bit of time they had together was about it. Because Leah then died in 1890. And Kate died two years later while on a drinking spree. Because she oh. had also kind of spiraled again after that glorious moment of happiness that they all had. And Maggie made it eight months longer than Kate did. She passed in March of 1893. And that was actually the same year spiritualists formed the National Spiritualist Association, which today is known as the Natural Spirit National Spiritualist Association of Churches. Wow. So it, it ends on a sad note, but I do think that span of time where they were all very happy together or apart doesn't get talked about enough. No. We, no. we hear so much about how Maggie was a young girl. She was swept off her feet. He was a douchebag. She drank herself to death, denounced spiritualism, took it back, and then actually died. Like, yeah. That's all we hear. We barely that even is. hear about Kate other than she was also an alcoholic. Yeah, that's like, all, that's it. it. It's they gained fame, became alcoholics, denounced it, and died. And that's, yeah. the, that's the whole story. I love that moment where they are happy, and especially in London, which was just the place for it and where, where spiritualism just really thrived. Even after America was kind of over it. over it or moved on, it just and it still thrives in England. Um, the mentor I'm taking with, and I have a new one starting this spring. They're all in England. Like if it's kind of like if you're going to take, I'm not, and that's not to say anything about mediums here. That's not. This is my personal preference, and that. But I think the English do it best. Again, my personal preference, but. <laughs> But it's just I, I, I like the lack of structure here personally, but <laughs> well, and that's why it's 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 up to what you like and stuff. I I'm one of those that needs structure, so I like that the, it's very structured. That is that is absolutely valid, um, yeah. especially since we both know that we have neurodivergencies. Mine is the kind that does really really great with structure uh-huh. for the first ten minutes. And then I turn into a rebellious four-year-old, and I don't wanna, so I'm not gonna. Yeah, I had that probably... knack as a kid to. The spirits would move my school books. I swear on somebody that I was not the one stashing them under my bed. I don't know if it was spirits. I don't know if it was pixies. I don't know if it was house gremlins. I got nothing. But yeah, no. As soon as I had to follow the stricture of the rules, stuff would go missing. Yeah. No, and it, it's really interesting because they are very well. No, and now it depends on your teacher because some aren't. So I don't want to say every single teacher, but like a lot of it's just I don't know. It's like they just take it so seriously. So like my mentor I have now, they're picky about everything you say. You have to use the right words, use the right language, how you deliver it. All of this to say, I know I'm going on a tangent. It makes sense why Kate would really thrive over in England and do so well over there because it's just so welcome and accepted. Well, at least by that point it was. Yes. Like, yes. I think, I can't remember which one of the things I was, I read it out of, but somebody mentioned it or they described it like the American invasion 
<laughs> yeah. And they, they tied a direct parallel to the British invasion, like when the Beatles came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so she was the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> is the parallel she was. I'm drawing here. <laughs> she was. Their story, as you were telling it, especially the ending part, it reminds me so much of like child stars today mm-hmm. where they gained all that fame. But a lot, a lot of them have a really hard life after. That's what it reminds me so much of. Yeah. For every, I don't want to put too much weight on all of these people because I don't mean it out of judgment, but for every Drew Barrymore that can pull out of it, we have a Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Yeah. But it's true because they were, Yeah. I mean, it, it really is like child stars, but... Because you're put on stage in front of people. And that was the other thing that got my attention was mm-hmm. the reason it became popular for not savory reasons. Because mm-hmm. obviously a big part of why it became popular was grief and people desiring meaning in life and contact with their loved ones. Absolutely. But also, this is a culture and society where you're not supposed to stare at people and you have pretty young women going on stage where men can just stare at them to their heart's content. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. But you're right. You're right. And, you know, for for that negative aspect where you had some people for that, what they did for mediumship and for spiritualism is just, it opened the door, but I, it makes me think not only did it open the door for, of course, mediumship to grow and become more accepted, but later you see the women's rights movement come about because of this and all these things that grew out of this movement started by these two i would consider them two little girls oh definitely at least kate because she was maybe 10 years old maybe not maybe yeah just depending on the sources yeah and i'm over here listening to how maggie was either 11 or 13 like 13 is the age of my cousin's kid yeah like i can't imagine them going through this kind of strenuous societal judgment and abuse. Yeah. Because as much as the world supported them, the world wanted to tear them down. They did. They really did. No, I wouldn't call myself a full medium. I was a budding medium, if you will, as a student of mediumship. Like, there's so much gratitude and for being so brave and putting themselves out there. Yeah. On a world stage, because it's scary enough in 2022 to do this work. I can't imagine in 1848, you step out like. Shoot, in the 1990s, I was taught to hide it. Oh, yeah. Because there oh, were yeah. abusive people in my world. Yep. So they are just some amazing women. They they deserve all the credit they get. Yeah, there's a reason we start the story of spiritualism with them so often. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, we, we went back a little bit further and we, we set the stage with Swedenborg and Mesmer and Jackson Davis and the Burned Over District as a whole. Like, we wanted to make sure you knew what stage they stepped out onto. Mm-hmm. But most of the time people start with them and there's a reason for it. They were the catalyst that moved the movement forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can actually visit the home site. I want to put this out there. The house is gone. The farmhouse was moved to Lilydale, and then sadly it burned. But you can visit in Hydesville, New York, the home place. There's still kind of like you can see the outline of the basement and everything, and they have a little museum. I, I would like bucket list. I want to go see it. 
I want to go see it. I want to stand there. Like I. Oh, and we didn't even mention they found the peddler. Oh yeah, I completely forgot to. Add yes, that. To it was after story. everybody died. I ended the story when Maggie passed, but it was in the early 1900s, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was early 19 like after they had both passed. Yeah, somebody found remains where the house was. Now there is a theory that school kids heard the story and hid body parts there or skeleton there but i don't know i don't find school kids giving two figs about the spiritualist movement and doing this not possible i just think it's probable i don't think and not to have like a full basically body like i wouldn't even want to know where they would come up with that or where they would find that i mean 1900s no video cameras to watch the morgue i can see kids being resourceful True, you true. I think they found him though. My, th- I think they found him, and proved it was all true. Dun 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 dun. Well, it's I I love the Fox sisters, and um, I'm so glad we got to tell their story. And really, now we've kind of set up modern spiritualism, how it gets started, and I think from here for the future podcast, of course, we're going to continue on and the people in the movement. I the only I talked about the tools of the trade, the Ouija boards and all that. But from here I feel like we're gonna really like kind of go out and Yeah, no, from here we're definitely gonna be able to now that we've set everything up, we're gonna be able to jump around, I guess, so to speak. If that's the best way of putting it, because we're gonna still do biographies, obviously. But the names overlap so much. We don't want to get repetitive on y'all. So when we start covering other people, it won't be in order the same way the first four were. Mm-hmm. Because now that you know the layout of everything, we're going to jump into the jazz age a little bit further forward. We're going to go back into ancient times and see if we can figure out how some of the ancient seers dealt with things. And then the tools of the trade. Because I'm sure that... Very few of you are familiar with the history of the tarot and its origins with the Romani people or with how the Ouija board got started and why Hollywood made it terrifying and all of those aspects of it. And we are getting started on social media. So if you have ideas and suggestions, we will also happily hear you out because we are very excited to not only keep talking about this thing that we're fascinated by, but also we want to know what you want to know. That makes sense. Absolutely. And even I want like exploring like famous haunted places and we want to cover it all. If it has to do with spirits, we are all about it. We are in. (laughs) Absolutely. So until then, I am Caitlin. This is Jessica. And this is Calling All Spirits. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.